Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. Hope you all had a great holidays, including my good friends Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller, who joined me today, and of course to Henry Brown of Sense Prospects, who was on our most recent episode to preview the World Junior Tournament. Of course, of course we've been playing close attention to that as it uh, has unfolded. We'll you know, get the boys' take on how Lassie Thompson, Shane Pinto, and Jacob Bernard Docker have been performing. Of course, the Ottawa Senators begin the soaring 20s on home ice against the Florida Panthers with a finally recalled Rudy Balsers in the mix. But he's leaving a Belleville team who's seen success over the holidays. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is January 2nd and welcome to the first 2020 installment of the Locked On Senators podcast. Let's say hello to the boys to start the year. Parley, how are your holidays, buddy? Nice and relaxing, seeing lots of friends, eating way too much, and uh, having more than my fair share of fun. So, uh, yeah, it's all been good around here. How about you, Pills? Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but the holidays for me, it's like uh, expedition. I think I logged like 20 hours of driving over the holidays, but uh, it's all good. You got to... You got to do what you got to do to see some family and friends. But yeah, I had a pretty good holiday too. Uh, not a single snowflake in Toronto. So that white Christmas didn't happen, but that's all right. Yeah, I was crazy just walking down the streets yesterday, looking around, no mounds of snow or anything. It's no. literally spring as the sun's shining here on January 2nd. A few of those miles you logged on the car were to and from Belleville. I know you're at one of the games over the holidays. I couldn't make it. I had some family obligations, but we'll get to what you saw there. From the team and uh, how Mike Condon looked in the opposition net. But first, let's get going with the World Juniors. If uh, you want kind of the preview, the laydown, we had great talk with Sens Prospects on our last episode. So feel free to go and download that. Give it a listen. But now that the quarterfinals are just about complete as we're recording, Sweden is up 3-0 on the Czech Republic. The other three games final. Let's start with the leading scorer in the tournament. Who is a prospect of the Ottawa Senators? Shane Pinto and his Team USA has been eliminated. So if you lose in the semis, you still get another game to get seeding. But if you lose in the quarterfinals, that's it. See you later. So his tournament is done. He played five games, scored four goals, added three assists. Safe to say that was a successful tournament for not the team, but for the player. Eh, Parley? Absolutely. And it ended with a little bit of fire as well. It started off with, just as Henry called it from Sense Prospects, a tip-in goal. So that was pretty cool that he called that right on the head. Shane Pinto against Canada on Boxing Day had that high tip. And then banging away out front, he actually had that goal taken away too. So talk about leading the uh, tournament in points. He could have had one more added on to that as well as we start to get into the medal round here. But it ended with fire, and that was with another sense prospect in Lassie Thompson after Oliver Wallstrom threw kind of a, I'll call it questionable because it's the holidays, and I'll say it nicely, elbow at the end of the game against a Finn there. And uh, yeah, Shane Pinto seemed like he had a little bit of fire at the end of that still left in him as he had to serve the last about two seconds, I think, were put back on the clock in the penalty box. He played the entire tournament on the top line for the United States. He was playing in all situations. What did you like about his game, uh, Pilsy? Well, I, I like uh, what Parley was talking about, that fire at the end of uh, the USA-Finland game. And you got to love seeing Lassie Thompson and Shane Pinto battling it out in front of the net. Uh, under two minutes to go, power play, one goal game. And these are the guys that their coaches trust to put on the ice and they're battling each other. They got pretty rowdy uh, after the whistle. Some scrums definitely looked like 
there are some heated discussions there. And you mentioned it, Ross, kind of like the Shabbat-White rivalry back in their day in the World Juniors. So that was cool to see. Uh, I thought Shane Pinto, it seemed like every time that uh, the States were in the offensive zone, it was him in front of the net trying to tip pucks, trying to make something happen. He's a high-event player, and man, am I excited to see what this guy holds in the future. The future is a lot sooner in terms of us being able to see Lassie Thompson playing because his team, Finland, has advanced the semifinals. They'll be reseeding after this, so nobody knows exactly who will play who yet. Um, barring a big comeback, so we know the four teams. So I just haven't put it all together yet, but I'm sure you can go anywhere on TSN and see uh, what the plan is there. But Lassie Thompson, maybe not as offensive a tournament as expected. Again, Henry kind of nailing it. Uh, that put hitting the nail on the head rather uh, with that one as he's being trusted in all situations. He does have three assists in five games, but still looking to get on the score sheet. What I have noticed about him, though, boys, he's not afraid to mix it up. You, we know the thing about Shane Pinto, but this guy, I don't think it's really a good thing all necessarily. But he's got eight penalty minutes in the tournament. Uh, is that just from playing hard, playing a lot, or what have you seen out of Thompson's game? Well, I think what you were just saying of him being kind of the uh, the aggressor on the ice is going a lot into what the point I was going to make is he's used to playing against men. And that's been my biggest takeaway from Lassie Thompson in this tournament is he's used to that high pace, uh, more physical game against men where the guys he's playing against in this tournament maybe aren't as used to doing that, uh, especially guys like playing in the OHL and things like that on Team USA. So I think he just, the the poise he had with the puck and his ability to sit back, know what's going on, understand it, and just make the calm, collected, cool play. And uh, I think he just showed a lot of poise. Again, you're right, he didn't have as many points as maybe we expected from the Lassie bomb at the top that we've seen so many times over in Finland professionally this year for him. But uh, overall, I think he's just looked very uh, respectable and calm with the puck. That Tom bomb smoked Shane Pinto in the first period of the game. Sense Prospects posted it on Twitter, so you can go check it out there. But uh, a fearless block by Pinto showing his kind of will. We mentioned offensively, but showing he can get it done at both ends of the ice. The one penalty I really didn't like was in that first game against Sweden where they ended up scoring the game winner on the power play with Lassie in the box. Another kind of more in a defensive zone or role this year with Team Canada is Jacob Bernard Docker. Team Canada just rolled over the Slovaks today and the third goal, the one that really put it away was JBD's first of the tournament. Kind of his uh, little signature. We've seen him do it at North Dakota once or twice where he just pulls it into his body and lets her rip. Uh, what's been your takeaway, Pilsy, on JBD's tournament? Well, yeah, you said it. When we talked to uh, Henry Brown at Sens Prospects on our last episode previewing the World Juniors, uh, he said we're probably not going to see a lot of offense from a guy like JBD. And he wasn't really put in those scenarios to produce offensively. I mean, he uh, I haven't seen him at least play on the power play with Team Canada. He's mostly been in that second pairing with Bo and Byram uh, on even strength and then killing penalties. But Man, was that toe drag a beauty. And he used the traffic in front to uh, create a screen and uh, got his shot through and into the net to put Canada up 3 nothing. So you got to love seeing that. And it's great when you have probably your two best defensive prospects in JBD and Lassie Thompson, uh, kind of in opposite roles. Lassie Thompson definitely looks like he's more offensively poised. He can really paint the blue line and uh, keep the puck in and looks like a guy who can quarterback a power play. Whereas JBD is a guy that's going to be more of a shutdown stay-at-home defenseman who I feel like he's the kind of guy where 
if you don't mention or see anything uh, spectacular or terrible from him, that's probably a good thing because he's just making those smart, easy plays to get the puck out, start the breakout, and defending well. So I've liked what I saw from JBD and can't wait to see more of those beauty toe drags. Yo, Parley, we got to mention, though, there have been a couple of plays where I don't know if it's uh, like today where maybe he wasn't expecting a pass right in front of his own net, but there's been a couple of plays defensively where I've kind of shaken my head or uh, that was his move fault. To- that one. I think that was a bad pass by Byron sending it right in front of the net. Uh, JBD wasn't ready for that at all. Yeah, maybe maybe I didn't like just kind of once it hit his feet, it went out to his stick and then he still tried to like corral it. And uh, I don't know, it took a little while to get it off his stick. But anyway, well, so there, there are a couple mention- other plays in his own zone here that I, I haven't been perfect. We can't say we liked everything at every player. No, that's for sure. But a lot of times, too, in situations like this, like you got to think this team has only been together for, what, two weeks? So there's a lot of times where communication can be a little bit different and stuff like that. I don't know. You're right. It hasn't been perfect from any of these three guys yet. But, uh, yeah, there's been a couple plays, and I think that's just part of his development. You know, you're just going to keep going. Uh, One thing, too, I've noticed in the defensive zone, a lot of guys kind of on the breakout how small those neutral zones are. There's like 30 feet between the top of the dots and the blue lines. I think that's playing with a lot of guys' heads and just where they are on the ice and where to make that pass, where to start breaking out. The neutral zone is just so small, and it, I think it's come up for a lot of guys that maybe that's something they're just not used to. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'll uh, I'll accept that. And you know what the beauty is? He's got two more games to show what he's got. Unlike Shane Pinto, Lassie Thompson, and Jacob Bernard Docker will advance so the semifinals, we'll have obviously more on that as the tournament develops. We don't know, of course, we won't for another 10 years what the best World Junior team was from this past decade, but I think it's pretty safe to say 2015 was Team Canada's best team in terms of talent in the last decade. One of the stars on that team is now a star for your Ottawa Senators, and Anthony Duclair coming off a month of December where he tied Austin Matthews with the league-leading 11 goals. He's been named to his first all-star game which is awesome to see a couple deserving guys uh the format's kind of weird where you have to be a really good team to have two guys barely anyone would have three remember in 2012 when ottawa hosted it they had five guys in the all-star game it was like milan mcculloch was there spezza carlson um craig anderson and i think i'm missing another one too but it's just crazy the way that the format is lots of deserving guys missing out most notably, if you're an Ottawa fan, J.G. Pajot, the year he's had, you think maybe is deserving of an all-star nomination. But what can we say about the Duke here in a, a real season? He's still on a one-way contract, but he's really found a home for himself in the NHL. And you look at a guy like Anthony Duclair, and at this time of year, it's really easy to look at the World Juniors and say, and look back, like you said, and say that 2015 team was just absolutely dominant. And what's kind of funny now is he's moved – around the league so many times this is maybe i think his fifth team in the league and what's funny is now he's playing in, as a division rival to his line mate max domi who he dominated with in that 2015 world juniors just kind of weird how things shake out as you progress throughout your career in the national league but so far this year i mean it's been a flip of a coin for a guy like anthony duclair last year we talked about it when uh, ottawa was playing columbus how Tortorella certainly uh, didn't think he had what it takes. And sometimes it's just that coaching change. I think his speed game has added a lot to what Ottawa is able to bring to the game. And he's been able to bring it almost every single night with over 20 goals. I, I think he's more than deserving of a nomination. And as much as Pilsy, we love Brady Kachuk. I think the all-star game, safe to say, would uh, suit 
a guy like Anthony Duclair a little bit better? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, we put up a poll, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, uh, asking which Sens player should represent the Sens at the All-Star game. And I think at the time I voted Shabbat. Uh, that was probably recency bias after he just played those uh, three games where he played over 30 minutes, almost broke the time on ice record. So I think I was just uh, really pumping his tires. But then it got me thinking, if if Shabbat goes to the All-Star game, what uh, what events is he going to uh, go in? I mean, it's not like he has the hardest shot or is a fast skater or anything like that. And then same with Pajot. I was really excited about the season he started, but couldn't really find a niche for him there. And that's kind of what you said about Brady. I mean, Brady's a fun guy and definitely would uh, be a crowd pleaser. But Duclair, he's got the speed, the skill, the shot. So he can do a number of things, uh, especially I would say he's probably going to end up in some sort of skating competition. Um but guys, just it's just crazy to think a year ago, Pierre Dorian got an all-star forward who's probably projected to get 40 goals this year and two second-round picks for Ryan Dezingle. So it's just crazy how time flies and good on uh, the Duke for his first ever all-star game appearance coming up. Yeah, the only thing about Kachuk that kind of makes me wish he was there is that it's in St. Louis, of course, where he grew up, where he got to watch his dad. His brother Matthew did make Team Pacific, so there's a little rumor going around that Keith Kachuk's going to have to strap on the skates for the skills competition and and do something with Matthew, and that'd be super cool. Uh, Speaking of, you mentioned the poll that we put up. I've got the results right here. Um, This was from December 18th, so just about two and a half weeks ago, and Duclair won by a landslide, 54.8% of uh, we actually got over 400 votes on it, 418 to be exact. You were in the uh, the secondary bracket, Pilsy. Shabbat had 18.9, Brady 16%. And I'm actually really surprised, based on the season that he's had, that Jean-Gabriel Pajot is uh, last in this poll at, at only 10%. So that that's a little interesting to me. Um, partly, we know that uh, there's the last final vote. So get your votes in for Pager. Get the uh, the French connection going. Uh, for this tournament would be uh, would be great to see if uh, if he could sneak in, but I think it's uh, probably going to lean uh, maybe Brad Marchant, Mitch Marner, a couple guys who have put up just a ridiculous amount of points. Pajot uh, won't be on a line with Duclair tonight. They've actually flipped up the lineup a little bit. We'll get into the call-up too. Rudy Balser's slotting in on the third line, but um, we've seen a lot of Pajot and Kachuk recently, but Duclair had been taken off that line and put down uh, on the second line in favor of Connor Brown. But as Brent Wallace tweeted out this morning, the lines for tonight's matchup against the Florida Panthers, Tierney in between Kachuk and Duclair, Pajot between Nick Paul, who's had a couple good games in a row here, and Connor Brown. And then the third line where it gets interesting, Colin White moving back to center in between Tyler Ennis and Rudy Balsers. Fourth line couldn't care less, but how do you like the top nine, how it shakes out here? I like the couldn't care less line because, yeah, I think there's going to be maybe six minutes combined between those three guys at the bottom there. I'm really excited to see this third line and what they have to offer. Rudy Balser's obviously coming in very hot in the AHL recently and coming in. He was so confident in the way he was playing. He looks so relaxed and confident right now. So to add him to a line with Tyler Ennis, who's kind of the same type of player where he can he's good in tight spaces and can create offense kind of on a dime. It's good to see them on a line with Colin White where he's back into his role he was drafted to play in. And uh hopefully that 
the uh, the confidence that Balser's is coming in with can a little bit rub off on Colin White and get him going in a season that's really been kind of a a down season to say the least for Colin White. To say the least, Pills, anything to add at that? I'm just glad Rudolph Balsers, we're finally going to see him back in the NHL. I don't really care where they slot him in because this guy can play all over the lineup as far as I'm concerned. Just hopefully not on that fourth line. Like you said, uh, we're not too concerned with uh, a couple minutes being munched there by those fourth liners. But I think it's a great opportunity, like Chris said, for Colin White to try to spark something. Because think about it. Colin White and Rudolph Balsers, they could be teammates or line mates for a long time in the Sens organization uh, if Rudolph Balsers, and hopefully he does, uh, signs a contract uh, extending him with the Sens. So th- these are two guys that could potentially get a lot of chemistry, and I feel like their games complement each other, and Colin White, let's get going. It's been an absolute disaster of a season, I would say, at least the last couple uh, month or two. So I think it's a good shakeup, and we didn't. We weren't sure if Rudolph Balsers was going to come up until the trade deadline. At least I wasn't. So nice to see him up now, and we'll see if Balsers can keep uh, keep things going here. Three points, I will say, in his last five games for Colin White. Although um, still just the one goal, and that was five games ago. He's only got three goals in 33 games. So hopefully, this move back to center will help him out. He's well below 50% in the faceoff circle too. So really need need him to get his confidence up and uh, hopefully that comes sooner than later. But Rudy Balsers, we've been kind of stroking the point streak factor where he had 15 straight games with a point. Since then, only points in one of four games, although it was a two-goal performance. And I think uh, kind of natural to have a bit of a letdown after going for so long continually. But what he said this morning, I found it interesting. He said, DJ Smith, it's all about skating. So even though he felt he was good and his hand-eye coordination was there, his vision was there, it said it took him a, f- a few extra weeks to get his skating back up. And we all know the NHL is a step up to, uh, from the AHL in terms of pace. So uh, it's going to be really fun to watch him. I hope he gets a look on the power play. I hope he gets put in offensive situations because that's when he's at his best. I hope he's not kind of pigeonholed into a, a penalty-killing line or a checking role because this kid can flat out play at the National Hockey League level. We saw it in his cup of tea last year. We saw it during preseason. This guy was a lock, I think, to make the team. But it was a very poorly timed injury. And he goes down, and what does he do on his rehab? 24 points in 19 games. So that's a that's a hell of an effort. Uh, he's fourth in the American Hockey League in points per game as well this season, uh, with a minimum, I think, eight games played. You know, some guys, like Colin White, actually, went down one game, two points. So uh, for guys who've played there long enough, and this is a guy that can, can put up offensive numbers. So I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in the NHL. Tonight's opponent is the Florida Panthers. Uh, this is a team that... Uh, it's pretty damn good, and they've got an unbelievable top line, don't they, Parley? And it's interesting to me because Jonathan Huberto is coming off being named Player of the Month in the month of December, so he's coming right in. Uh, probably their first game, you'd think, out of the uh, out of the break there for Christmas. He had t- uh, just an unbelievable month: twenty-two points, six goals, sixteen assists, and that's including sixteen points over his last seven games. So he's on absolute fire. Last time we saw this team, he was on a line with Vinny Trocek and uh, Vinny Trocek and Nolachari, and it looks like it's been switched up a little bit. It looks like he's back up on the top unit with Alexander Barkov and Dadnov. So who knows if Joel Quinville's throwing them in a little bit of a blender to try and get a few other guys going? But Nolachari, let's not forget, had the hat trick too. So a lot that of was it was his first. Was, 
That was his first of back-to-back hat tricks, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. Think. So that's maybe what I'm thinking is uh, what they're trying to do with uh, switching the lines up a little bit. We'll see if they go back to that line that was just absolutely devastating last time they played the Senators. It's so funny to think that people still consider Jonathan Huberto underrated. It's the same story as Alex Barkov, who will be back in the lineup. I don't think he played the last time Ottawa played in Florida. But he is ridiculous. He had 92 points last year. Like, this is an offensive weapon. I'm talking about Jonathan Huberto. He's already at 53 points in 39 games. Like, that has to be near, if not if not the top of the of the NHL this year. Like, it can't be there can't be many guys and uh, as I'm saying that I just flipped it up he's eighth in the league tied with Jack Eichel right now in uh, in goal scoring so or in point scoring so just an unbelievable player and they've got guys on the back end like Keith Yandel who can bring offense um, and I mean this is a pretty well-rounded team it's kind of funny to think they went out in the offseason they they threw all this money at Sergei Bobrovsky and he's kind of been like the one thing holding them back you could say hey Pilsy. Well, Ross, that's exactly where I was going to go because, sure, this is a great team on paper and they have guys like Huberto, Barkov, like you mentioned, Yandel, Ekblad. The team is stacked. But <clears throat> Hoffman? Yeah, Hoffman, and he's on the third line on that team. Uh, Achari. Still has 27 points in 39 games. Yeah. That'd yeah. be what, second on the Sens? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> definitely would uh, rather have him than Mikel Bodker, but that's another story for another Why? time. Why? He plays D awesome in practice. <laughs> But back to Florida, this is a great team, but man, they had a stinker of a game to end the se- end uh, 2019 against the Blue Jackets. They lost 4-1 to the Blue Jackets, who uh, Corpusalo has been injured and looks like he's going to be out for a long time. That's a big blow to the Blue Jackets because they're basically they're going to be stuck playing Elvis Merzlikens, who just got his first ever NHL win. And you talked about Bobrovsky. This is a guy who played, I think, seven seasons in Columbus and uh, was a Vesna candidate and winner, if I'm not mistaken. He was an exceptional goalie for them, and he's just flopped for the Panthers since signing his massive deal. The Panthers outshot the Blue Jackets 37-28, to and they lost 4-1 against uh, their backup goalie, basically. And you would think that's a chance for Bobrovsky to kind of prove himself against his old team and kind of get his mojo back, but he was not up to the task at all. And he's been a big reason why that Florida team's struggling. So whether they play Bobrovsky or our old pal Chris Drieger uh, in net against the Sens tonight, the Sens have a good chance to pile on some goals here and hopefully have a much better effort than last game where I think they lost 6-2 to the Panthers. So definitely got to turn that around and uh, pile some goals up. Maybe Duclair Pajot get 2020 started the right way. Hey, it's a two-time Vesna winner, Sergei Bobrovsky, which is pretty crazy Respect to think that. Now, now 31 years old and having for the first time since he was with the Philadelphia Flyers as a 23-year-old. He's now 31. It's his first time since then where he's got a save percentage below 900. Not a good place to be if you're an NHL goalie. Um, we're going to find out a lot more following tonight the good news for the ottawa senators is they've been buzzing on home ice nine one and two record over the last 12 whereas we've seen them struggle a lot on the road parley do you you know how to quantify that a little bit i know the numbers are pretty glaring it just seems like they're more ready to go at home Uh, the first 10 minutes are the really the big ones for me that kind of show 
what their games are like and what kind of uh, separates home game from away games. They just seem to start on time better at home. I don't know if that's the comfort for the uh, for the younger players who haven't quite figured out how to travel successfully and consistently in the NHL level yet with the uh, tough schedule that they face. But yeah, who knows? Maybe just a young team being more comfortable at home. And they seem to put a lot more shots on net at home as well. So that's something to keep an eye on tonight. If they get the shot totals up, I think they'll ha- keep this success going at the CTC. Kind of crazy to think, too, that out of 21 road games, they've only scored first in four of them, and they've only won one of the games where they scored first. So they've been playing from behind on the road, and that is not a good place to be. Whereas at home, um, when they score first, they've got won eight out of 11 games. Um, so, I mean, that just kind of tells the story. If you don't play with the lead in this league, you're, you're not going to be successful. Although we have seen some comebacks this year, you need to be able to play with the lead. And that's something a young team can panic. Another thing on the road, especially uh, when they let in one, they seem to let in another one pretty often in the next couple minutes. And when that's the case, the fans get going and, and it can really slip out of hand. Um, the, the game that comes to mind um was the minnesota one where in the third period that one just fell apart but for the most part these have been competitive games right like it's not like they're getting beat out of the rank on all these road games it's just the record kind of you know leans one way and it doesn't look like helps coming on the way in the back end. If you're quick looking at the lineup again you see cody golabeff up playing with thomas shabbat as the uh the ring around the rosy, I guess you could say, if Thomas Shabbat is that guy for this team, they just keep uh, slotting in somebody different to play alongside him, and he's just going to keep pumping out those big minutes because Nikita Zaitsev is out again for tonight. It looked like at the start of the week he might be able to go for it, but uh, I guess he was a little sore after practice on Wednesday, and he didn't skate this morning, but the team was adamant that he didn't suffer any kind of setback. He was just sore, and they didn't want to push his development coming back. Well, that's a good sign because Cody Golubev, who played over 25 minutes in the last game, that can't happen on a regular basis. They really need either Zaitsev or Hainsey, and we're just waiting for the day to see Christian Willanen back with, uh, with the NHL team during a full practice. That'll be really fun. Uh, we're always kind of anxiously anticipating Drake Batherson's return to Ottawa. He has been tearing it up tearing it up through 2019 from january 1st the ahl put out uh their stats leaders in the calendar year drake batherson the most points in the entire american hockey league he had 77 uh our good friend david foot footy on the air on twitter you can follow him there he's a color commentator for the belleville senators he pointed out that the the top three jeremy bracco second from the marlies and reed boucher from the utica comets all in that North division just shows how tough that division in a eh, eh, Pilsy. Yeah, it's a tough division for sure. And the AHL, it's all about the division matchups because uh, as you know, the top four teams in each division make the playoffs. So you have to win those divisional uh, games and it's, it's too bad. All the best offensive players uh, are in our division, but it makes for some exciting games uh, for Ross and I, when we're at uh, Bell Vegas CAA arena. So that's fine. It's been up and down in the sense that they've alternated win-loss, 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 win-loss over the past seven games. So that means they're due for a win Friday. They host the division leading Rochester Americans. So we'll talk about this not-so-good game first, and then we'll get into the one you were at. But Rochester beat them on a last-second goal, like under a second left. But you could also say the other side, right, right, Parley? Because uh, they fought back. They are down 3 nothing early in that one. 
Yeah, that, that's another thing too. This you mentioned it about the Senators; they're not kind of getting blown out in any games. Uh, it seems like Belleville's been in every game that they've been playing. So, it, uh, yeah, that just goes to show that uh, they they've got some push coming from behind as well. They're not only comfortable playing with the lead, but they've got a little fire to come back, and they've got the uh, offensive output and the players up there in the top nine that looks really good that are able to do so. Joey Decord was in goal at the game you were at, and. Uh... It's crazy how quick he's gotten up to eight starts now. It seems like they're really kind of riding the hot hand. What did you see from him? And, I mean, you were at the game against Syracuse, so the offense was definitely there too. Joey's looked great. And, I mean, I've tried to uh, plead my case to keep uh, Gustafson still as a as a high-end prospect. But, man, it's really slipping. And when you've got a guy, a seventh-round pick like Joey Decord coming in and stealing starts from you while Hogberg is in the NHL, that's got to be concerning for a guy like Philip Gustafson, who I'm not sure what the right thing to do is once the goalies get back. Maybe you see Gustafson go in Brampton and be a number one starter and get starts and get confident and come back. Or maybe you see Joey go back down there and they try to keep Gustafson as a backup once Hogberg's back. I'm not sure. But as far as the offense goes, Vitaly Abramov, had a hat trick in Syracuse, just absolutely dominating. But unfortunately, after the game, they, uh, it was noted by footy on air, uh, talking to Troy Mann, that he fractured his finger, the same finger that uh, put him out a couple weeks before, but just in a different spot this time. So hopefully we don't have a Bobby Ryan situation on our hands there. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but Belleville's going to have to find different guys to do it. Guys like Klimchuk, guys like Carcone, they're going to have to step up into bigger roles now, and I'm excited to see uh, what we see from those guys. Yeah, it's ex- it's exciting time, especially offensively for Belleville. We hope Vitaly Abramov isn't out long term. Something uh, to note about Joey, I was uh, producing Leafs lunch on New Year's Eve, and we had Jamie McLennan, Noodles, of course, everyone, you guys know him from TSN, color commentator, does a lot of Sens games, and we were just talking about goaltending in general, and I mentioned that we had Joey on the podcast, and I wasn't even expecting him to really know who Joey Decord is, being a seventh-round pick, Arizona State, and his eyes lit up. He's like, man, that kid's going to be a good goalie. So kind of nice to, to have a former NHL goalie who kind of sing sing the praises of, of uh, Joey Decord, even though he's so young in his professional career. So definitely thought that was of note that, uh, I mean, he's on Noodle's radar, so there's that. Um, I also want to get into, uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Central. But two tweets. One was, how would you summarize this senator's decade in 10 words or less? Lots of great answers there. So head on over to our Twitter account, at Send Central, and you can read that. And we got some stick taps to give out because there were some loyal soldiers over the last decade for the Ottawa Senators. Maybe not so much from the organization to these players, but stick taps to Zach Smith, the leader in games played from January 1st, 2010 until December 31st, 2019. He played 611 games going through the top 10 here. I won't bore you with the number for each, but Eric Carlson, number two, Chris Neal, number three, Bobby Ryan, number four, Cody Cece, number five, Craig Anderson, number six. I was a little surprised that a goalie made it, but 419 games. I mean, that just shows you uh, that he's been here, I guess, since 2011 because he's had a few injuries in there too. Then Pajot, Kyle Turris, Milan McCulloch and Mark Stone round out the top 10. What are your memories on uh, some of those players, if any of those caught your ear? Yeah, it certainly is impressive that Craig Anderson was up there. That was a name that kind of caught my in that, my eye in that one. But 
I you look at Mark Stone at number ten and another guy that came in and he was drafted late. He played well at the World Juniors and then it was kind of the you know, is he got the footwork to do it sort of thing. And in 366 games, he became the top prize of a, dra- a trade deadline on a team that was making a push after making it to the cup final the year before. It's pretty crazy how his evolution happened in 366 games at the NHL level. Uh, just sucks that that number won't grow as a senator, I guess. Way to take, a, de- way to take a depressing angle on that one, Parley. What about you, Pills? Are you going to be a little happier? Well, no, mine's not much better. I can't believe Cody Cece has played that many NHL <laughs> games, let alone with one team. Jesus, that's it's crazy. The career yeah. that this guy's carved out of being one of the worst defensemen in the league. So yeah. stick taps to Cody Cece for sticking around, I guess. Jeez. You're, you're lucky I didn't sort it by a total number of minutes played this decade because I bet you he'd be number two behind Eric Carlson. And I'm not even getting with that. Maybe yeah. even more than Craig Anderson. No, Craig Anderson would have to be first. I mean, 60 minutes every time he goes in, right? So, um, but yeah, just some stick taps there. Uh, But as we kind of move away from the past and into the future, boys, oh my God, Dernier for Lafreniere has a nice ring to it, but it sounds even better when it may not even be our own pick that we need it because the Shark Tank is in full swing. Not only did they lose to the Detroit Red Wings, who, by the way, in that game, earned their 10th win of the season in, yeah, their 41st game. But they didn't even get, a, they didn't get a single goal. They got shut out 2 nothing by the Detroit Red Wings. They currently, I'm talking about the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, the Sharks, where their first pick is ours this year. They have 37 points. They're three points out from being the second worst team in the league, otherwise known as the second highest odds. Realistically, they can't finish that low, can they, Pilsy? I mean, why not? Like you, you had a full-blown coaching staff change. I don't. I can't remember the last time I've seen everybody right down to the goalie coach getting changed mid-season. Especially a guy uh, like their general manager doesn't usually like to do that kind of change uh, mid-season. So that was crazy. And goaltending. Didn't really help their coaches that uh, got the boot out of the door in San Jose, and they they haven't got much better. So in a Pacific division where there are some bottom feeders like the Ducks, the Kings, and uh, now the Sharks, there's some really good teams in the West, in the uh, top half of the Pacific, and in the Central division that I can just see them getting keep keep getting beat up on. And as the trade deadline comes, if they're a weak team, they're probably going to move some assets as well. The Sharks could tank all the way to the bottom of the ocean, as far as I'm concerned, with the way their season has gone. You mentioned goaltending, Pilsy, and they're negative 30 in goal differential this year, and that's by far the worst in the West, and only two teams are worse. And, I mean, if you're getting compared to Detroit and New Jersey this season, there's a, there's a pretty big indicator you're not doing many things correctly, eh, Ross? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they went from, uh, from near the end of October. Um, this was kind of when the Shark Tank, started forming like they started becoming a couple holes uh in their gills and ottawa beat them during that stretch they went on a five game losing streak ending at home against vancouver but then they went on a five game a six game winning streak and they won nine out of ten games so everyone's like oh they're back they won nine out of ten they have so much talent three of those wins were in overtime which is an interesting note but then the four-wheeler hit the curve and they hit it way too fast. They've won four games out of their last 16. 
being outscored by 20 in that stretch. They're they're just not getting saves. Their their team save percentage is awful. It's got to be at the bottom of the league. And I mean, going forward, they've given up a lot of assets and at some point they're going to have to make a decision. And I'm wondering like who are guys that they could even move? Like nobody really jumps out because they're either on a a long-term high number for a contract. And this is a team without a first rounder this year, without a second rounder yes, uh, next year. Yeah, Ottawa has that one too. And without their own third, their own fourth, or their own sixth this year. So they're in a very interesting predicament. They have so many guys signed at big money. Like Couture's got eight years at eight. Kane has six years at seven. Timo Meyer, who's been terrible, has four years at six. And then their defense, like, if you're not getting anything out of Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic, what are you doing? Those three make up over $20 million in in money. So what are you going to get? Something for Brendan Dillon? Like, I just don't know where the Sharks go until they make a decision on their goaltending. And guys that do have contracts that would be easy to move are guys that are going to help them in the future. Remember, everybody was scratching their head telling Kevin LeBanc to get a new uh, agent to start the year getting a one-year one million dollar deal i mean that's not the guy you want to be moving if you're trying to move forward in an organization and uh if you're looking to win anything brent burns is starting to be a uh, bit of a contender for the green jacket at the end of the year so maybe they've got uh they've got that to hang their hat on it's going to be so much fun watching this go throughout the year i mentioned their t- their second uh Last outside, I mean, Detroit is so far gone. Having a minus 68 goal differential is almost impressive uh, through 41 games. So Detroit is going to finish 31st. I'm, I feel confident in saying that. But then it's kind of, it seems like about, what, like a five-team race right now? It's crazy that Buffalo's dropped the way they have. But it seems like it's Los Angeles, Ottawa, Anaheim, and San Jose. Ottawa, Anaheim, and San Jose right now are all tied with 37 points, San Jose's played one more game. So we're at the halfway mark of the year. It's going to keep getting more and more interesting because Alexi Lafreniere has proven at this World Juniors. I Before going in, I was like, yeah, yeah, like the points are crazy impressive, 70 and 31 in the Quebec League. But then you're like, oh, it's the Quebec League. Guys exactly. have been known to put up numbers. This guy's vision is out of control. His shot is awesome he's got great hands and what i love today he missed two games he comes back what does he do he runs someone through the boards on the first shift he's he's just the whole package and the more i watch him the more i'm like man wouldn't he look good in a sense jersey i was gonna say with his number but he'd have to find a new one because he's been rocking number 11 absolutely and it- uh, when he came off the ice or onto the ice today, and he wanted that hit right away, you could tell he wanted to engage co- the contact early. Doesn't that make you think of Clark MacArthur coming back, no helmet during warmups, like an absolute legend, and then he just comes out and takes a run at Big Z? Are you kidding me, Clark yeah. MacArthur, Grizz? I love it. If you're going to be compared to a guy, being compared to Grizz for your toughness is pretty cool. But uh, going back to Lafreniere and just how good he is, it's like everything he does as well. When we did our pro- player profile on him for our bottom feeders episode on him. We, I talked about how good his forecheck is. Well, that showed today on that first goal, that first hit, everything he does seems to be going really well and off air before we mentioned that, uh, there were some scouts maybe saying Quinton Byfield could push for that top spot. Mm-mm, not even close. This is far and away Lafreniere's year. He's a uh, bonafide number one. It's just, uh, you're literally winning a lottery this year. Yeah, you, you see her, Sarah. So why wouldn't it be nice to have two 
lottery tickets instead of one. That seems like it's going to be the predicament the Ottawa Senators will find themselves in. But, hey, they've got 42 games to play between now and then. That starts tonight against the Florida Panthers at home where they've won. Yeah, we mentioned it already. Nine out of their last 13 games. So if you're going down to the CTC, you can expect at least a competitive effort and you might even get to see a win. We'll be back to break it all down for you tomorrow and get you caught up on what we'll know then as the semifinals at the World Junior Championship. As I mentioned off the top, if you haven't listened already, head over and listen to our interview with uh, Henry Brown. He gave a lot of great information and a lot of uh, things have come true from what uh, his analysis was before. But for Brandon Piller, for Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. Enjoy the game tonight and go Sens go. Thank you.